where are you? How are you? What's going on with you? And are you taking care of yourself? Are you attuned to what is going on with inside of you? And are you creating change and transformation so that then you can come back to your dog and be much more successful and harmonious in how you coexist with one another? In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is all about helping you to be more fit and healthy in mind, body, and spirit, as well as to harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. Today, my guest is Sasha Armstrong. Sasha is the founder and creator of the Canine State of Mind program and educates dog owners on how to build stronger, mutually respectful relationships with their dogs through body language and energetics. Sasha is an inventor who optimizes the human to canine relationship through her proprietary process, leaving students with a new outlook, not only on relationships with canines, but also every interpersonal relationship they encounter. Sasha serves as a guide, uh, creating a kinder, intimate, and holistic lifestyle for her clients by helping them embody the essence of alpha. Let's embody the essence of alpha, baby. Through observing wolves and researching the ancestry of the domesticated dog, Sasha has discovered her innate ability to understand their language and deeply connect with them. Mastering her craft for more than 20 years, Sasha has helped over a thousand dog owners meet the needs of their dog by bridging the communication gap and uncovering energies both the dog and the human exhibit at any time. You know, I found Sasha through a friend of mine who listens to the show and recommended that I have her on my show. And I'm so, so glad I did. Our conversation is passionate, it's heated, it's interesting, it's educational, and it's a little bit even emotional because both Sasha and I share our deep, deep, deep love reverence and respect for the animal kingdom and all of nature. Both Sasha and I grew up as young girls, very, very connected to not only animals, but all of nature. And we now are devoting our lives to really helping bridge the gap with humans and all the other creatures. I'm so glad that Sasha said yes to come on the show because I love her approach um, I've had other dog communicators on the show, animal communicators, people that communicate with plants for that matter. <laughs> and, uh, and I've loved them all, but Sasha's unique perspective really resonates with me. I love her holistic way of looking at animals. I love the way she individualizes them and, um, really seeks to educate herself to understand their needs. Cause at the end of the day, we all need to understand our needs and the needs of others in order for them to be met and then f 
in order for them to thrive. Because if we don't meet our needs is when we get into problems, whether they be emotional, physical, psychological, or whatever, that's when the problems arise. So we have to share the good information. We have to share the education on how we can do that to help people achieve what they want, which is pretty much all the same thing, right? We all just want to be happy to have nice relationships that are fulfilling and trusting and safe and loving and accepting. And we all want to live on a beautiful planet in harmony with all of life, don't we? I mean, if you're listening to this show, I'm sure that's what you want. So I really feel like Sasha Armstrong is a big piece to help us understand the dog kingdom. We talk about so many interesting and important things on the show, and such as how Sasha really is a proponent of getting in alignment of our mind, body, and spirit. She talks about her master classes that she's now doing with children because a big part of her work is really training the humans, right, to understand the animals and the dogs and how that can be extrapolated to dealing with children in all of relationships. I asked Sasha about what's the deal on pet nutrition and in particular the, the dangers of conventional tick and flea medications and preventative treatments, which are really just poisons. I mean, what can we do? How can we advocate for our dog's health? And what's the deal with vaccines for that matter? And I asked Sasha, you know, what, what are some of the things that you do personally to keep your energy in a high alpha state so you can give your dog the environment that it needs to thrive? Because Sasha is a big proponent of you know, the dog really needs that leader mentality that's looking for it in us and how we can be that leader for our dog so our dog can be happy. Sasha talks about the problem with designer dogs in this day and age and genetically modifying dogs and some of the behavioral problems that can result because of that. And again, how we can advocate for our pet with a conventional vet, finding an integrated vet and one that really is going to look out for the best welfare of our dog. And the importance of listening, of observing, and um, truly being tuned in and embodying the energy that we need to embody because that is how our pet is communicating with us through the energy that we are being, not the words we're saying, but how we are feeling to that dog because the dog feels what you're feeling, regardless of what's coming out of your mouth. So this is super educational, super passionate. I love, love this episode. And if you love it, please subscribe, share it with a friend. Let's help get this information out there to help share the education of how we can commune, love, and make our pets happy. Let's now join Sasha Armstrong. And welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. My guest today is Sasha Armstrong. Sasha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Well, I've got a question for you. Sasha, why are we so attached to our pets? Ah, hmm. oh, wow. Uh, it's so deep. There's so many layers to this. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a, it's such a, uh, an amazing question because this partnership between, let's say, human and canine is ancient. 
Um, it, it's so old. It goes back thousands of years, many, many lifetimes. Um, it is, it's a spiritual connection. And I believe that humans still have some sort of connection to what these animals represented, what they offered to us from the very beginning, which were the, as I call them, the grand master teachers. Um, so that's, that's how I always refer to dogs as the grand master teachers, because they are. Um, really, I believe that canines domesticated humans, not the other way around. Um, humans saw in, in dogs, in wolves, all of the many ways of being um, that instinctually, intuitively they knew would contribute to a better quality of life. How to hunt, how to raise a family, how to scout new territory, um, what were the best ways to traverse the land. Um, you know, there were so many... Um, so many aspects of a dog or a wolf wolf's way of being that humans admired. And we knew that we had to bring them on as our allies in order to create this mutual respect of working with one another. And over time, this connection is what I believe has lost a lot of its sacredness I believe that we have gotten very disconnected with our animals. We've become very disconnected from nature. And this conversation is all about how we can reignite that connection and how we can really recreate a new bond, a new relationship, a new way of communication and relatedness that really supports and nurtures this most powerful, sacred, and as you say, emotionally connected uh, relationship. So it's really interesting. I've never heard anybody say, even in all my research, because I know that you know that I've, I've been studying animal communication for a while now. And, um, you know, I've worked with Amelia Kincaid, as you're familiar with, and, but I've never heard anyone say that uh, the animals and the dogs in particular domesticated us. That's a very interesting take on it. Um, you know, most people are aware, you know, back thousands of years ago that we used animals to help us hunt and, you know, track prey to, to live, to eat. They, animals have, dogs in particular, have provided protection, and they, they've always kind of serviced us. And, of course, then we have the whole mindset of, you know, the school of thought of, of science, thinking that humans are the top of the food chain. I know we were taught that in school, you know, that we can, and that's left to the rape and pillage of the earth and, you know, the finite resources of the planet. But now a lot of people are waking up that, okay, whoops, it's not finite. And whoops, Mother Earth is showing signs of sickness. And, you know, by all these extremes that we're experiencing and things running out. And so thank goodness a lot of people are waking up. But I just find it very interesting and very cool that you're thinking that perhaps they have domesticated us. 
So can you just expand on that a little bit more on exactly what you mean by that? Well, very interestingly enough, um, the latest findings um, when looking at the how far back the earliest humans and evidence of that um, really predates what we had originally thought, right? So we thought that humans existed 15,000 years. And now looking at these new findings, seeing that it's actually much older, right? That they've been around much longer. When they found these footprints that uh, instigated this, this, these findings of, wow, maybe what we've come to learn, you know, at this point, we've had to dig a bit deeper to find that actually um, this is a lot older than we had originally thought. Well, what was right next to the findings of the human footprint? Dog footprint. Yeah, canine paw uh -huh. prints. Cool. Yeah. And so we, as I said, you know, we talk about, you know, the humans at the fire and the wolves lurking close by and humans had been watching from afar and watching how these animals, because back in, in those times, we weren't so locked into, you know, humans thinking that we are the ones, we're it, right? It's all about us. Uh, we are we are the sacred ones, we're the, um, the spiritual entities. No, that was more, uh, animals were revered as that, especially dogs. And then we look at like, you know, what is God spelled backwards? Ah, um, cool, that's true. And, right, mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. So, um, so with that being said, we knew that it was, would be very, um, it would behoove us as humans to start to bring in these animals that we respected so much based off of the way that they lived, the civilized ways in which they communicated with one another, the way that they so successfully could manage a hunt and bring down a kill. And so we emulated the way of being of these most incredible animals. And so naturally we thought, well, we've got to be friends. We've got to, we've got to bring these animals into our corner um, so that we can maybe work even more, uh, you know, abundantly in, in partnership. And so the, you know, the saying goes, and it's true, the, the offerings, the handouts, luring of food, these wolves to come closer. And, and that's really how that, that partnership was established, right? Like humans knew that that would entice a dog. What's the best way to be, you know, initially friends with a dog? Well, offer them some food reward. It's like gold. So um, that's, you know, that's the initial, uh, that's how that relationship was established. And and over the thousands of years, the domestication of dogs, um, the way that these relationships um, have evolved in so many different walks of life, so many different avenues and aspects of how we partner with dogs. Um, and for me, you know, doing the work that I do for really all of my life, um, most notably the last 25 years, and I'm, I'm very young, so that's, 
<laughs> that's over half of my life, um, is that I've seen in all these different walks of life, the partnerships that we have with our dogs um, are suffering. We're, we're very disconnected. Um, it's, it's, it's a, um, it's an area in which humans are really being asked at this time to up-level and to step into a new way of thinking and a new way of being and a new way of relating and communicating if we ultimately want to establish very successful homes and families that we share with these most wonderful animals that are so meaningful to us that provide as you said you know why are we so attached to these magnificent creatures and it's because of all of these incredible gifts that they give to us and what we're being called to do at this time as i say is to to return the favor to do our very best to start to step up to show up and meet our dogs exactly where they need to be met and that is a big ask for the human because what what we deem as important to a dog or what we what we want to what we think a dog wants or needs or what's important to them um, is definitely coming from a very human centric space, right? We're not, I've, I've asked clients many, many times. It's actually a very common question that I ask is, have you ever stopped and brought awareness and asked yourself the question of when I give my dog a humanized version of love and affection, does that serve their highest good? Are they benefiting and enjoying this way in which a human expresses love? And I would say 99% of the time, maybe even more than that, the client will say, no, I've never stopped to think about that. Or no, I've, I've never asked myself that question. I would just assume that that's something that my dog enjoys, regardless of the way that the dog reacts or responds to the human in light of that interaction. So it's very interesting. Well, I've found that um, there's almost like two camps of people with, with dogs in particular. So we'll just kind of focus on dogs rather than like animal kingdom, right? Um, there's the people that feel like it's a dog, you know, like, I mean, all these terrible, like where they go down, like I hate to say it, but in the South, South area of the United States where they rescue all these dogs that are just abandoned and left on the street and the owners, there's no dog rules or licensing. They have like 20 dogs in the yard and they're chained to a, a, a stake in the ground and that's their whole life and they barely have water or they're left guarding roofs with hut tin on the ground and again no shelter and they just treat them like they're just they're just dogs like give me a break like you guys are out of your minds like these girls are crazy you know so there's those those people in that camp like come on it's just a dog right and then you got another extreme where 
people that spoil the crap out of their dogs, right? They don't give them any discipline or boundaries. So the dogs are basically running the show and their behavioral nightmares because they don't have any discipline. So, and then of course, everybody is, you know, I guess wanting to be someone in the middle, right? Where someone like you comes in, a canine expert to be like, hey, this is where the dog's coming from. And this is how you achieve that middle path because it's always the middle path that we're looking for in things. So we have to understand what the dog's needs are. And when the dog's needs, just like a human need or a child's needs, any a plant's needs, we all have basic biological, emotional, spiritual, physical needs, right? So when those needs are not being met is when we have problems. You call them whatever you want, imbalance, acting out, wetting the bed, separation anxiety, right? You may just pick it, you know, scratching yourself to death. So maybe the word discipline is not the correct word, but in, to your point of how desperately the psychology of a dog needs a leader, a reliable, competent leader, I think what one of the things that the leader provides, whether it be a, a pack leader for a dog or a leader in a Fortune 500 company, is someone that provides the structure so maybe rather than the word discipline, it's just giving a structure, like a strong presence of being in command of this is what's happening. You're safe because then the non-alpha dog, please correct me if I'm wrong, can relax because they're safe, right? And to your point, they're not going to feel safe sure. if they don't feel their pack is going to survive or they're not going to be able to eat and their needs aren't being met. So it's about creating a safe container so the dog can relax and that will result in quote unquote good behavior. Do I have that wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. And that that's it. I mean, like you said, it's no different from a company, a corporation, a family. Um, I mean, this is exactly what children need. And we need these strong archetypal parental figures that are the lighthouses. They're the pillars of strength. Yeah. And we don't go about uh, or, you know, commanding that naturally, uh, you know, just presenting that way of being by instilling fear or yeah. force or discipline. Do mm -hmm. we, we need to establish clear and healthy boundaries? 100%. Yeah. Because that, you know, that's, the funny thing is, Sasha, is that's really not a powerful leader anyway, because someone who's, you know, smashing the stick and demanding respect is just indicative of someone who feels powerless, you know, because, Correct. and I'd like you to talk to us about energy because you've mentioned a lot, the importance of how the dog language and how dogs communicate. And my understanding is it's all about your energy, right? Like it is with people or children or whatever, like you want to be be that energy because you can say whatever you want, but you're not going to bullshit an animal or a child. They can feel it. Right. So how is that? Is that how dogs read our energy, Sasha? Are they feeling, I feel in control right now. I'm calm. I'm not, you know, I'm not demanding. I'm just, I know what's happening and don't worry. I got it handled. Energy is everything. Yeah. And you're absolutely correct that Dogs, sensory systems, animals, sensory systems, what they feel, the, the presence, what they understand within the way that we project and communicate through our energy 
is light years beyond really anything that a human can comprehend. And so when we say that, you know, dogs can smell fear or a dog can smell an ep epileptic seizure 24 hours before cancer. they occur, mm -hmm. dog can sniff out all different kinds of cancers. Mm -hmm. A dog can detect rubble and treasure how many thousands of leagues under the sea. I mean, you know, these animals are naturally equipped just it's just who they are they can't it, it's not even something that you train into them it's just naturally in them and so with that being said you know this kind of takes me into a very important part of of this conversation which in the language and I get a lot of pushback from people I, I wouldn't say a lot but you know people that are in my work and in our kind of in, in our uh area <laughs> Yeah, area of, of thought and uh, and where we, you know, where we reside, it, it, it comes very naturally. But introducing this idea of the difference between training and education. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, and I say this all the time, is that dogs are not here on this earth in partnership with us to be trained. The last thing that any dog that has ever come into my presence that I've brought under my wing has never needed to be trained. The dog, of course, is craving leadership and naturally is going to be educated through that, but they need communication. They need somebody to show up in that energy and presence, like you said, to allow them to trust in a human, to truly bond and connect with a human in the ideal way. And, and we don't do that by this extreme way of negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement and all of the, you know, the techniques and approaches that go within those schools of thought. But we need to both be educated. This is a 50-50 partnership. And with training, it translates to control and manipulation. This is going back to the idea of, as the human, we reside in domestic partnership with these animals. And so they need to show up the way that we want them to, whether they like it or not. And however, we need to accomplish that goal so that it upholds the human's ego, that's going to happen. And a lot of those tactics and how we go about, as you said, creating this well-behaved dog is through manipulation. It's through control. It's through going against a dog's natural flow and natural way of communicating just to serve something that we're trying to uphold versus stepping into a dog's natural way of being, a way that they understand a leader to be, starting to step outside of our human wants and needs. You know, a great example of this is one of the first things I ask clients to do in their work with me is to take a step back as they enter into the election process and be the observer. So to literally 
stop their interactions, stop their love, stop the affection, stop all of the human ways of being, right? That comes so natural to us and just literally watch and observe and attune yourself, bring awareness to not only how our dogs are communicating and how their their way of being, but it's to really magnify how do we show up? How do we respond and react to our dogs? How do we put pressure on them in times of of change and um, and upheaval? How do we overwhelm them? How are we communicating with them in ways that are contributing to a sense of uneasiness or insecurity or um, you know not feeling met? And this exercise is absolutely one of the most challenging things that humans can do in their relationship with their dogs. And on the other side of it, when they commit to that, that beautiful, precious part of the process, when they get on the other side of that, it changes them, not only in their, their dialogue and their relationship with their dog, but they're able to have a, a completely new way of thinking about themselves. So what what exactly are you saying though that the exercise of what of just observing your dog for an hour like what I don't understand what exactly the exercise is. So just like I said, so stepping back, not directly engaging, not acting out your physical uh human expression of love, which is you know, kisses and hugs and constant petting and constant talking and just a complete barrage of stimulation all the time. I mean, we wonder why our dogs follow us around the house constantly. I mean, that's basically the most in unfortunate, insulting thing that our dogs could ever, <laughs> you know, demonstrate their, their, they're they're living with us when is to follow us all around the house um this is a a sign of they have completely taking on taken on the managerial role they have taken on the ones that are responsible for our well-being and it goes back to what i was saying before which this unconscious job description that we have given our dogs which is to fulfill the leadership alpha roles because we are not embodying what that is to a dog we are not fulfilling those roles so they are left vacant mm -hmm. which means that in order for the pack to be successful and survive those roles need to be solidified they need to be secured mm -hmm. excellent i love it so important yeah yeah question i'm a fur baby mom and I do my best. I'm conscious of this whole energy thing, the energy I'm being, you know, trying to be the alpha leader, calm, loving, in charge, capable, competent, all that, meeting, meeting my dog's needs. But Sasha, I have a day, you know, like my computer goes on the fritz. I get a bad phone call. Maybe my stomach hurts. I'm not feeling well. I'm not at my best. Amy's having a bad day. What do you recommend? Yep. Like, should I leave the room? Should I not? Like, I think about that. Like, my dog is feeling my energy. 
because we're very tapped in already anyway, not to mention we live together. What, what should we do when we're just human and not having good energy? Like, or we're mad or whatever. Should we not be near the dog? That's such a great question. So as I always say, that's an invitation. If you're, if you're not on your A game or you're having an off day, I mean, this is life, right? This is yeah. being alive. And, and as humans are not going to show up at our, you know, with our A game every day, neither are our dogs. Yeah. And so it's an invitation and a perfect opportunity to do exactly what I was just referring to a little bit ago, which is to step back. Like withdraw. Create some space. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not even that you're withdrawing, it's just that you're allowing for time and space and freedom to just let things be and to not unknowingly or unconsciously involve the dog or mm. bring them into our bad juju, really, yeah. our, okay. you know, our negative energy. It almost just kind of leaves them out of it so that they don't have to be involved. Yep. They don't have to take that on. Mm -hmm. And it, it is just one of the most, I've never had a client in all of my years come back and say to me when I've been, when I've enrolled them, invited them into this way of being, because even though you're not directly engaging, there is so much communication that's being transmitted yeah. to a dog when you can just allow them to be and to be mm -hmm. them. People ask yeah. me all the time, how are your dogs so peaceful? Yeah. Why are they just so, you know, your pack is just so um, at ease. Mm -hmm. What is your, what's your golden like ticket for that? Yeah. Right. We say I get out of their way. Nice. Well, Sasha, that is so beautiful. That's what we all want. Human being. We all want to just be who we are at a soul level and be loved and accepted unconditionally for who we really are. So why would our pets be any different? That's right. That's right. And so when I invite people to create that independence and that kind of sacred in, you know, individual space to be who they are so that we can be who we are mm -hmm. and, and get through whatever we need to get through it. I've never had somebody on the back end of that say, you know, I didn't get anything out of that. It was a, it was a no, you know, it was a meh. I've never heard that. Yeah. I've only heard the most glowing, like transformative, amazing responses that because it checks everybody. It allows us to go introspective and bring awareness to how we show up. So can you give us, can you give us some examples of like some of the, some of the things that some of the people say as a result of that exercise, like anything common that you hear a lot? Oh, it, it restores harmony. It brings calmness. Um, it, it completely grounds the space. Um, you know, dogs that are uh, always feeding off of, you know, dogs do the best with the information that we give them, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of my mantras. So in any way, shape or form that our dogs are showing up, we can always, there's no reason to blame our dog because 
it's only a function of how we're communicating, right? So our dogs, our horses, our cats, all of the animals that we coexist with in an intimate way, they're only doing the best that they can feeding off of having to <laughs> basically coexist with us. Like, you know, Amy, if you and I were living together and, um, you know, and I, I loved you and, and as I do, and, uh, and I said, you know, Amy, you're, you're really kind of on my nerve today. Like, um, you know, whatever it is that is going on for you, like, you know, I, I need some, some space. Like I need to kind of get away and have a little regroup and we'll come back and, and dialogue later. Mm -hmm. Well, our dogs can't do that. Yeah. They can't say to us like, Hey, you know, your, your nervous energy, your anxiety is really affecting me today. Yeah. I need a break from you. I need to go out in the yard or I need to go, um, you know, um, to Michigan and have a, a little, you know, beach house break to get away and clear the energy for a few days. They can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so they're literally forced to coexist with us, which adds a whole other layer and element to bringing that awareness when we start to make that distinction of hmm, something is off here or my dog has really been on edge the last few days. I always ask my clients, where are you? How are you? What's going on with you? And are you taking care of yourself? Are you attuned to what is going on with inside of you? And are you creating change and transformation so that you can get out of that so that then you can come back to your dog and be much more successful and harmonious in, in how you coexist with one another? So this work is, I, I, I say to everybody that I talk to, and I, I Geez, you know, I talk to so many people every single day um, and, and it, what I believe is a result of not being connected to our dogs in the way that we ideally need to, you know, it, it really is about understanding how we can up level and be the best possible human that we can be, not only for ourselves, but in relationship with our dogs. And that's what paints the masterpiece of the relationship. I love that. I just love everything that you're, you're doing and your whole philosophy is fantastic. And I, I would add, and again, please just correct me. You are the expert, but I would think like, we also have to be, be, uh, conscious of that. We're not projecting our own stuff onto our dogs. Right. And like you were saying in the beginning, kind of intellectualizing and humanizing the animal, um, which would require us to just kind of feel more what we're feeling while we're around the dog and, and then trying to drop into our body and feel what the dogs, and I don't know if this is going to come out right, but kind of like connect with the dog, Sasha, by our feeling sense, our sensate, our, our, our animal nature to try to feel what the dog's feeling, needing, wanting, rather than using our intellect to, to assess. Does, would that be good um, practice for us? 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that I love the balance of intellectual, but also okay. like kind of because again, like I want people to feel the awareness yeah. and I want them to, to have, to, to think about it because so much of the way that our dogs show up is based off of a thought pro pattern or a thought process that is, I'm on a walk with my dog and I am really on edge because I know that another dog comes around the corner and it is fight mode. It is fight or flight. And I, I just can't have what happened last week happen again. And people get lost in yeah. this idea, thought, their thought patterns and their thought processes is exactly what will be made manifest. If you're not completely aware and attuned to knowing I am going out today on a hunt with my dog. I always refer to the walk as a hunt That's because cool. there's never been a dog in the history of dogs that ever looked at their clock and said, it's 8 a.m. Let's go for a stroll. <laughs> it's never happened. So that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but um, yeah. when you're prepping your hunt experience with your dog, that experience starts way before you hit the front door. And if your attention is on the outcome of having a very stressful and chaotic and uneasy walk where for a fearful dog, every walk or hunt is a walk of a thousand fears. And so if your wow. energy and attention is there, what do you think you will be attracting the second that you walk out that front door and walk down your gangway to the first gate that that brings you into the external world, which is if we don't know if we're coming back alive to our home after a day of being out, our dogs are attentive to that a hundred times more intensely. Mm -hmm. So yeah. where you place your attention is where you place your energy. And so it is very important that we are very in charge of our thoughts and to be, to, to understand it from an intellectual space, which, but also tapping into the energy. So this is a big ask because we're literally asking humans to change their habits and behavior, to change the way that they function. And so much of that directly dictates how our dogs show up in our in, in the experience that we have with them, how they show up in our homes, how they show up at, at our friend's house, how they show up on a leash at uh, taking them for a walk or a hunt, how they show up if we're having dinner with them on a patio and some server comes up to the table and the dog goes, bah! you know, I mean, in all of the ways that we, all of the activities, all the ways that we, we experience with our dogs, it's just a function of how the pack communicates and exists within the home environment. So 
if that is out of balance, if the hierarchy is misaligned and out of whack within the home, den, living, sacred, safe space, there's no way that you're going to go out into the external scary world and be able to accomplish an enjoyable, peaceful, harmonious walk. It just doesn't happen. So important. Everything you just said is just right on. It's so important. Sasha, how you, you mentioned that your pack and you, I know you have quite a little, little, uh, refuge there of animal kingdom, which I love. It's very inspiring. And I want to, I want to manifest the same thing myself. How do you manage to get yourself in such a state that you are a good pack leader. Cause you mentioned about, you say that to your clients, you know, like, are you taking care Are you? Cause you know, it's about the energy you're being around your children, your animals, you know? So how do you do it personally that you, so you can be a good leader? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's, a, it's a huge question yeah. and it's all about my mindful practice. So completely aligning in the embodiment of an alpha of a leader is a mind, body, and spirit approach. So I'm nourishing my soul with all of the most ideal foods. I meditate at least twice a day. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I take wonderful care of my body. Um, I'm, I move my energy. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I do Reiki. I, um, get acupuncture. Um, I do all different kinds of, uh, modalities for healing. Um, and it's, I, I sleep well. Um, I mean, you know, all of the many things that we can't, it is priority for me to show up if I'm not completely honoring this vessel and in alignment with every, wherever it is that I need to be aligned with and every day presents something new and different, it will show up in my ability to not only show up the best version that I possibly can for my dogs, but all of the dogs that come to me that are under my wing um, you know, for transformation and bringing about the best versions of themselves. Um, but every dog that I go into, I mean, you know, I've, I've worked with thousands of dogs in my time and every day it's just more and more and more. And, um, and I go in and I, I'm called in as, you know, the one that basically, you know, nobody wants to deal with the cases that I go into. Oh, so, wow. you know, homes where, or the, the institutions where the facilities where, um, you know, these dogs are, nobody else wants to touch it with a 10 foot pole because the dog has a lot of bite cards is very wow. aggressive, aggressive, um, very reactive. Um, you know, I've, and I've never been bit. And the reason for that is because of the alignment within self, within the divine, and speaking to a dog in a language that they understand. So when I go into these situations, I'm already completely dialed in to where the dog needs me to be. 
and what I need to do to create not just a transformation or a change or make an impact in that moment, but for it to be long-term and to change the hard drive in the dog's psyche so that it becomes a software program. Okay, so this is all about the, the change that can be made within a moment can transcend into the dog's experience long-term. But of course, then everybody, every human that contributes and plays a part in this dog's experience has to be speaking that language, yeah. has to be showing up in that ideal way or else, of course, then the dog very quickly will go back to its old and unfortunate patterning that's all to be consistent Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just like just like children you know you can't be one way one day and one way another day and that's going to create anxiety and insecurity right there because the kid doesn't know what's up or down and how's mommy going to be today and but i love your point though that i just want to underscore about the holistic nature of your personal life that enables you to do your job because just like me being in the health industry or as a podcast hostess, uh, you know, I'm just going to extend this to the audience for everyone listening and watching that, you know, the next time you feel selfish for doing something for yourself or doing your self-care, remember what we're telling you, Sasha and I are saying for us, we've realized for us to do our jobs well, we need to take care of our needs. We like, like I mentioned, plants, animals, dogs, kids, people, we all have needs. And when those needs aren't met is when we get problems. And, and those problems can, you know, materialize in different ways, psychological, physical, mental, emotional, whatever. So I love that you're saying the, the number one way that you stay, stay as a leader to give your pack the security and the happiness they need is you have no qualms about, and you think it's a job requirement to take care of your needs. I'm very same way. Every time I get a massage or something and I feel like, oh, I really should be working. And I'm like, no, this is part of working. This is me doing my work, you know, taking care of my vessel. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather had this wonderful expression because I do a lot of leadership work uh, mm -hmm. within uh, families and mm -hmm. my, my clients are constantly like pushing me, uh, Sasha, write a book, write a book yeah. on, on the old like rearing of children. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what's very cool though, is that I am uh, creating a masterclass that is specifically designed for children wow. um, in how best relate uh, and take care of and communicate and understand their their wonderful canine companions so that stay tuned for that um, but my grandfather said the stink in the fish starts at the head so what that means yeah is that if there is dysfunction and it's highlighting exactly what you just said was that if we are not honoring and treasuring and taking care of our vessel, as you say, we can't show up in the most ideal ways to create the transformation and to get exactly what we're looking to, to get out of all of our relationships. Yeah. It's just literally not possible. 
So again, if it's if there is dysfunction, if there is a disconnection, if there is something that's happening that is not feeling aligned in how we we want a relationship to be, most notably with our dogs, it it really is about taking accountability and responsibility of it's not about the other. It's about how am I showing up and where might I be sending a mixed signal or a miscommunication or, you know, am I, how am I contributing to this dynamic? And once that realization is made, that creates the magical pathway for change to occur and manifest what needs to ideally be restored within that relationship and and again it goes back to being attuned to that from a an intellectual from a mental standpoint but also feeling it and 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 knowing that when those two when we can create that mind and heart coherence We get That's alpha it. leader. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's get into now what you need to tell us about the proper nutrition and diet for our pets, as well as your thoughts on tea, uh, tick and flea, uh, you know, those things they pour on your dog, those, you know, external skin things, as well as vaccines, if you're comfortable going there. would love your expert thoughts on those three things. Absolutely. So again, going with this idea of supporting our animals um, as, as most successfully as we possibly can to create abundantly, wildly healthy animals, mind, body, spirit. So we can't, we can't expect our dogs to show up in a very calm nature, in a very relaxed way, if we're feeding them biologically and species inappropriate foods. Unfortunately, um, what is available commercially widespread um, in dry dog food is not, it's not an acceptable diet to feed our dogs. It's, it's essentially like put into terms that we can really understand. Like if any of us ate sugary, salty crackers that were loaded with all kinds of toxins, preservatives, dyes, sugars, um, genetically modified, um, you know, ingredients, like we're not going to look our best. We're not going to feel our best. Our health is going to deteriorate. We're not going to be thinking clearly. We are not going to be showing up with our A game. We're going to be suffering and we're not going to be living vibrantly. And we are going to be prematurely dying. Um, we're not going to be living a quality of life. And so um, I say that all dry dog foods are created equal, which are, it's not appropriate. It's not healthy. There is nothing. Dogs are opportunistic feeders. They are scavengers. So if that's the only thing that we will give them, cats humans and canines are opportunistic feeders. They are scavengers by nature. They are omnivores if forced to be. 
Um, so if that is the only thing that we give our dogs to eat, obviously, I mean, what can they do? They're not, they're smart enough. They're not going to starve themselves, Mm -hmm. but eating these foods are not contributing, um, in any kind of a responsible way to their health, to the environment or to nature. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not serving anybody or anything for the highest good. Now, when we talk about what is the ideal nourishing, grounding, ancestral diet, we talk about a raw food. We talk about a raw diet. Now, as dry dog foods are all created equal, raw foods are not. So there are only a couple commercially available raw dog foods that I really stand by and recommend. And the reason for that is because we need to look and prioritize three aspects of a raw diet. Sourcing, ingredients, and formulation. So I understand that I could be opening up Pandora's box by making statements that all raw foods are not created equal. We have to look at the sourcing. Where are the meats coming from that are in our dog's raw food? Are they sick and diseased animals? Are they um, factory farmed animals? Okay. So when we give our dog and a lot of commercially available raw foods contain those, that sourcing of meat. Okay. So that's also not appropriate. Our dogs should not be eating stressed and sick animals because then they will become that. Just okay? like us. Just like us. Go figure. So, <laughs> go figure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so many clients, it's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. They may be like very health uh, yep. conscious. Same. But when we get into our work, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I never even thought about doing the same for my dogs. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely a very light bulb yep. um, kind of enlightening moment for them of, oh, I really need to do the same and, and for my dog, I need to, uh, you know, really show up with the same practices and support my dogs in the same way that I support myself and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I love when that happens because then it's like a win-win situation. You know, everybody gets to be um, at their best and uh, partaking in abundant health. And that's what it's all about. So um, I just encourage um you know, our listeners that when you're, um, when you're investigating a, 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 you know, a transition and upgrading, up-leveling your dog's nourishment and diet, um, to really research what is, what is in the, this food that I'm feeding my dog. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have this, it's kind of a fad now. We're like, oh, feed the dogs raw. You know, the raw is the way. Well, it, it really is the best way to feed your dog. Um, but you also have to be very cognizant of, again, formulation, mm-hmm. sourcing, and ingredients. And, um, and just because you're doing raw, if these companies, if, if these brands that you're feeding are missing the mark, 
on these other really important qualities to the food, you could be doing more harm than good. So glad, so, so glad you're saying this. This is just like I said with us, same thing. You know, people make these blanket statements. It's like, and what you're basically saying is, yeah, raw can be good, but it depends. Like it's, there's no such blanket statements. Everything depends on the details, just like our food, like cacao, you know, it can be good. It can be full of mercury and, and, and crap you know, and, and grown on poisonous fields with, uh, you know, monocropping and, you know, not treating the workers well. And so everything, it's like, sorry, everyone, but it takes a little effort. You know, unfortunately, you know, we can't just make blanket statements, you know, we have to dig a little deeper. So I'm just so glad you're saying that, but it's so worth it though, Sasha, because the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I even know even with my own dog, I mean, here I am a health professional, right, for over 35 years, and I've, I've kind of tweaked her diet a little bit, and I've already seen, like, I think I put a few more years on her life, like added, like she's got a more of a spring in her step, and she was already eating a really good diet. My dog eats probably better than most people I know, you know, but I tweaked it a little bit because, to your point, I've learned the importance of observation, the importance of looking for patterns, the importance of individualizing everything. Whether, you know, this dog I have now is different than the last dog. You know, everyone's needs are unique. And how do we know? Well, we observe, you pay attention. Don't get stuck in your head thinking, but this food's healthy. This food worked for my last dog. You know, what's wrong with her, you know? So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, what we especially in the time that we're living in, um, we have more a more um, abundance and overabundance of designer dogs. And so yeah. basically, I mean, this is like a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but what we've done is by genetically modifying and selectively trait breeding a lot of the designer dogs that are very popular now, we're literally breeding them to have an imbalance in their gut microbiome. Wow. And so um, it's very common that clients of mine will come to me and say, you know, they have a Bernadoodle or a Golden Doodle. And, wow. you know, they're, they're, they realize that dry food, the, the food that their traditional vet has recommended to them as a prescription diet, yeah. Wow. Um, is, yeah. I mean, they're, they, they understand this is not helping my dog. I, I can visually read the ingredients yeah. and it's like, I can't even pronounce a lot of it. It's yeah. uh, wheat gluten and cornmeal and even chicken byproduct. And yeah. it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, sorry to be blunt, but it doesn't take a rocket science to mm -hmm. look at that and say, that is not healthy. Not even food. And mind you, our dogs are not eating that meal one time a week or one right. time a month. They're right. eating it every single meal, twice a day, every day of their life. Wow. And we wonder why we have drastically reduced the lifespans of our dogs. When we look at dogs in the 1940s and their lifespans, dogs should be living into their 20s, into their 30s. And now if we have a golden retriever that, that lives till 12, we're like, my golden lasted so long. That's true. Yeah. We think that's a long time for a big dog. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. Wow. It's very short. And, wow. and again, it's because it's because of these foods that, you know, we, 
we literally, I mean, it's, it's the foods, but then getting back to, you know, the, the breeding and the genetically modifying within the DNA, we are taking golden doodle and literally creating such, wreaking such havoc in the gut microbiome that you get them off of a dry food and introduce a food that their body is designed to process that nourishes their system. And the dog is having a bad reaction to the raw appropriate, species appropriate, biologically appropriate food. And the client's going, what's happening? And it's like, oh, don't worry. We just have to restructure, rebalance, restore the gut microbiome. Let's do that. And then we'll reintroduce the raw okay. food. Then and then, then, it, then it works. Okay. That's so interesting. So Sasha, though, let's just, I can't let you leave us without telling what your thoughts on the uh, tick and flea prevention stuff you get from the vet, the prescription crap, and any thoughts on vaccines? They're all, it's all a racket. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to make blanket statements. I mean, mm-hmm. and again, I am, I would love to delve into this and give all of our listeners very deep, informative, enriching, detailed information so that mm-hmm. they come to the plate. If you have a traditional vet, um, being able to be the one advocating for your dog's health and wellness, but mm-hmm. to just go blindly into your vet and give them the topical and the oral flea and tick poisons. It's poisons. not preventive. It's poison. I will tell you, I live in a very highly tick infested area. I have never given my dog any um, poisonous uh, oral preventative or topical preventative. I have ne- I've only done my proprietary um, wonderful essential oils. Um, there's a couple commercially available brands that we can add in the show notes um, yes, that I recommend. Um, and just by using these non-toxic, wonderful, they even smell wonderful. They have no side effects. But when you look at the list of Brevecto and Semperica and Frontline, neurological issues, seizures, skin irritations, rashes, digestive issues, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's no need to give that. Mm-hmm. It's completely unnecessary. And then you have these dogs that live in high-rise buildings in downtown New York, in Manhattan, and they're they're feeding their dogs toxic flea and tick preventative every month of their life. Ugh, and then we wonder why we have to give them seizure medicine. Oh my God, that's so, so sad. Yeah, so we have to take uh, an integrative approach. We always have to approach our dog's healthcare from a holistic place first, go there first. And then if a more traditional Western approach is needed, then that can be there for you. But 99.9% of the time, when you're approaching from an integrative, holistic direction, you're gonna get your, your questions answered and you're gonna get all of your dog's health needs met in the most beautiful way so that it supports their wellness. And, and not just from a physical standpoint, but from a, a, a mental and emotional and environmental space as well. The same goes for vaccinations. Please, when you get that alert 
from your traditional vet that says that your pet is due for vaccinations. No, they are not. What they're due for is a titer test. So I want all of our listeners to be re, do the research, check out what is it? What is a titer test? What does it mean to test your dog's titers in lieu of giving blindly a vaccine that is completely mm -hmm. unnecessary? So when you test the dog's titers, it checks the level of antibodies. It checks the presence of the vaccine in the dog system instead of just going ahead and, and overly vaccinating unnecessarily. And I, I want to highlight too that everybody listening today, have a conversation with your vet, talk about these concerns and bring up like, can we do titers? Can we, you know, we're going to get off of poisonous flea and tick preventative and we're going to try an herbal, more natural, holistic approach. And and see how that works. And I would have these really important discussions with your vet. I, I always recommend going first and foremost to an integrative holistic vet, but if you really love your vet and they are more on the Western kind of traditional side of things, if they're not open to trying these and you know different modalities and approaches to healthcare, it's absolutely time to find a new vet because you know that in that, if that, if there's any pushback, if there's any resistance, this is a medical practitioner that is really designed to support your dog's ultimate wellness and yours too, because we know that we are only as happy as our happiest child right or mm -hmm. what is the saying you're only the mother is as only is is, is only as happy as their least happy child mm -hmm. shall we say mm -hmm. so it's the same for for our dogs when our dogs are not well it's like oh my god everything stops right the world stops mm -hmm. it's it's priority we've got to get them better we'll yep. spend anything and do anything to get them back to their vibrant wonderful selves. And so in that moment, if there's pushback from the vet, if there's resistance, don't engage in a challenge or a fight. Mm -hmm. Just know that that vet is absolutely not committed to supporting your dog's ideal wellness um, and, and well, well-being. And so it's time to then research another healthcare practitioner that supports you in in making these ideal choices are there any resources for that that you know of sasha rather than just doing like a brave internet search you know like uh, do you have a website people can go to for integrative veterinarians or anything you know nationally so um that's a wonderful question um i am based in the midwest and so um, i do have some connections and some people that i recommend um that we can add in the show notes mm -hmm. um but what i recommend is just wherever you're located just do some really thorough research into what integrative vets are around me um a recent client of mine that lives in New York City, um, he was so disenchanted with, uh, you would think in New York, there's going to be a million holistic vets, right? And people that are doing really cool, like integrative medicine. 
he oh. kept saying saying to me Sasha what do I do what do I do I'm like hitting a brick wall mm -hmm. and so finally in New Jersey he found this practice and he was just you know the vets in New York it was like they were prescribing all of these mm -hmm. things and over you know your dog needs these tests it was a four-month-old puppy wow thing is just really mm. long here and so he found this wonderful vet in New Jersey asked me to check them out they were absolutely fantastic. I said, go for it. And he he's like, this. I couldn't be happier um, because it resonates. He could really feel that this vet was truly for Mabel's ultimate health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear in, in the way that the practice, um, you know, was approaching. So this is what we need to do is just do our research, read reviews, go, talk to a vet, you know, call the practice, mm -hmm. um, go in for an initial assessment. Um, I will drop one name. Um, so my dear friend, Dr. Barbara Royal of the Royal Treatment, she's a holistic and integrative veterinarian. Uh, she, she is absolutely outstanding and mm -hmm. um, she's incredible resource um, that we can also include in the show notes. And she has a wonderful website that can also be a great uh, networking uh, place for, for the listeners. Wonderful. Well, I'll, I'll add that, you know, this is indicative of a bigger issue going on, even for human beings going to a, a uh, Western doctor and that, you know, the trouble, Sasha, is they just stick to the party line. You know, they don't want to get sued. They want to follow, quote unquote, the rule book the procedure. This is what's required by the state. The dog needs these vaccines on these dates. And if not, you know, they're delinquent. They need um, the tick and flea prevention. If not, you're, you know, a bad owner, whatever the heartworm, they just follow the party line, like no exceptions, no nothing. Like this is the way it is. And there's no room for any interpretation or any customizing. I know I've come into problems with this my whole life with all my animals, um, I don't wanna say arguing with the vet, but questioning like, why does my dog need all these vaccines? I'm not comfortable with this, this makes me nervous. Don't worry, I'm, I'm told this, don't worry, they're safe, they're titrated for the amount, the weight of the dog, it's perfectly safe, we've done this forever. Dogs obviously don't die, they're fine, they need this, this is gonna be preventative for them. Um, and I'm always asking, can you just at least do the minimum, like only the absolutely mandatory ones. Cause I don't know if all the listeners know that not all vaccines are required. There's only like some that have to be like rabies every three years or whatever it is. And even the rabies is the only one that is okay. required by law. Perfect. And, and that was the last one I got. And she did a teeny dose. Cause I have to travel with my Charlotte and I can't travel without showing proof of vaccination, but I go, right you know what, Sasha, I just tried to adopt, like rescue a dog. They wouldn't give it to me because I couldn't show that my current dog has a, tea, a tick and flea prevention from the vet because I'm giving her natural stuff. Cause like you, I will not put poison on my dog. Hello. <laughs> it's just illogical. So they wouldn't let me adopt a dog that will probably be killed now 
because my dog isn't being given a poison. I'm like, do you understand what you're telling me right now? Like, I'm going to stay calm, but this is nuts. And but they're sticking to the party line. So I know we're getting at the end here. But gosh, do you have any thoughts? Like, how do we, you know, and I don't want to be about negativity. And you're not, I don't want to argue with people. But how do we at least maybe plant seeds or be part of the voice of reason, like to have the vet at least think twice, like, is what you're doing really right? Are you really servicing the dog? To your point, the dog's health and wellness here, are you just following your instructions without using your own brain? It's a challenge that I've been dealing with for 25 years. I've been Mm -hmm. working closely with traditional vets for 25 years. And what we're talking about here is just the tip of the iceberg. A very um, just appalling kind of epidemic that I'm experiencing now. Uh, What apparently has become my main job in life is detoxing canines off of pharmaceuticals. Wow. Um, Dog Prozac, dog anti-anxiety medication. Our dogs are suffering the brunt of big farm due to our inability to communicate to our dogs, to have the education and the information to understand how to live in peace and harmony with our dogs, how to be able to establish these wonderful relationships that are successful. Um, So we're not provided with that information anywhere you look including big names like Caesar Milan. Ah, okay. So really you take that. Yes, really. Wow. You take that and then who does the, the, the customer, who does the client they're suffering with their dog and they say, I need help. I'm yeah. suffering here. Who can I trust that can tell me the best ways to help my dog? The vet. Yeah. Well, that says, instead of, hey, have you ever tried to understand your dog? Have you ever tried to learn how your dog communicates? Have you ever watched a wolf documentary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever really learned about this wonderful animal that you coexist with, that you value so tremendously? No. And that's why you're suffering and that's why you have challenges and that's why you're hitting a brick wall time and time again. So instead, I'm going to write you a prescription and I want you to keep that dog on a doggy downer, turning them into a zombie, giving them all kinds of side effects. Does that really happen? Are you kidding me? Like people really do this? They get their dog a prescription to like drug them and... Amy, it's happening all over the place. I didn't even know that. I can't... So it's just like people then. It's just like people. We're giving our dogs the human condition. Oh my God. Oh, it's worse than I thought. Oh my God, Sasha. It it is... I, I. There's a lot of days where I'm, you know, throughout my years of doing my work, I've literally had to take um, emotional break because it's it's 
very it's so disheartening to put it mildly uh, and they don't have a on. voice like they, they put it in the food so that it's not even like the dog like i don't want this i don't like this it makes me feel bad it makes me feel funny like oh god okay yeah so wow. you know again i mean so i'm sorry to loop back to your question mm -hmm. we have to make some massive massive shifts mm -hmm. and it is, it is so needed. And, and what's, what's amazing is that it doesn't take much, but just learning about these wonderful animals, tapping into their, their psyche, tapping into their needs, trying to understand their language. And when we do that, that's where the magic happens. That's when the problems are solved. That's when transformation occurs. But to be putting these band-aids and these quick fixes on issues that are happening for a very real important yes. reason, we mm -hmm. have to go into the core of what's going on. We have to go to the root. And until we get there, until we can go there and understand that, we're never going to be we're never going to be really existing at these high levels, these really elevated, successful ways in which we all deserve. And we're never going to get what ultimately we all want, which is a peaceful, exactly. cohesive, harmonious, loving, stable, confident, fulfilled relationship life. You know, we're never going to get there because it just defies yes. law. I mean, you can't just, you know, drug something and, and not follow natural laws of nature and, and expect a good outcome. So Sasha, I'm so grateful for your work. And I'm just going to, I'm hearing you say that we really need to do our homework. We, if, if we say we, you know, love is an action and this means we're going to have to take some energy to invest in our dogs and our, and our animals to understand them, to learn them, to be present, to feel, to tap into their needs to be educated properly and find the people that feel like you that think holistically naturally and that what really what's in the best interest of the dog and not getting caught up in the whole, you know, corporate machine of, you know, to, to really help our dogs. Yes. Yes. Okay. It. All right. So, I know that you have, uh, you are super busy. You have an amazing website and you've got some resources and courses coming up to help us, to teach us yeah. how to do this stuff. So please share with the audience what you've got for us coming down the pike in 2022. Absolutely. Uh, I offer currently a, a wonderful remote learning uh, virtual program. So I consult with clients all over the world. Um, and, uh, you can find out more about that on my website. Uh, it's an incredible and just wildly transformative program. Um, and, um, I do work, uh, on occasion in certain very special circumstances in home, in person with clients. Um, that's a very specialized program, which you can also learn more about on my website and contacting uh, directly uh, to Canine State of Mind. Um, and then coming out late 
August, early September is my first masterclass. Um, and this masterclass is called the Embodied Alpha. It's very exciting. And this masterclass will be followed by uh, many. Um, this is more of an introduction, a foundational course that opens everybody up to this work um, and really starts to attune and bring awareness and enlightenment to not only how you show up as your ideal embodied alpha within yourself, but how you express that, communicate that in your relationship with your dog as well. Um, I mentioned that I have uh, an amazing course coming out that is specifically uh, geared towards a child's learning, learning all about how to communicate and take care of and understand and relate to uh, a child's <laughs> best friend, which is their dog. Love it. So two classes then, the master class on embodied, the embodied alpha, and then a child's class, a children's class. Yes, a child's e-learning program. Mm -hmm. um, and that's coming um, in 2023. Okay. Um, and then the embodied alpha master class um, is coming out late August, early September. 2022. 2024. And we're offering a special deal for the Awakening Aphrodite podcast with Amy Fournier listeners and viewers. They have a special coupon discount. They can go ahead and register for your amazing masterclass and get 10% off by using Fit Amy TV 10 at checkout. That'll be in the show notes, everybody. And uh, gosh, I'm thinking I definitely need to sign up for this. I've got a lot to learn from you. That's for sure. Um, you know, I'm just curious, and I know we're, we're totally wrapping it up, but by these classes, would you say that you kind of were, you came into this world, Sasha, knowing a lot of this stuff, or is this stuff you've kind of been picking up along the way? Like, it, just, just curious about what that's all about. Are you an embodied master from a previous life of running, <laughs> running dog karma? <laughs> Literally what I've been told. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. That's what I thought. Yes. I'm just going to answer my yeah. own question because that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, she's too young to get all this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you're it's proof nice of reincarnation, I guess. <laughs> that's and excellent. it's also been, you know, a gift from childhood and yeah. uh, a just a complete up-leveling through the many years of creating my own method methodology, um, which has, is largely influenced by the study of wild and captive wolves. Yes. Um, they are the, Pinnacle. they are everything. They are the original. That's if you ever want to learn all about your dog, just please watch as many wolf documentaries as possible and observe, observe them, observe so cool. the way they relate to one another um, how they interact with one another. I mean, it's, it is so richly educational. I'm a big animal planet, nature planet, discovery channel. Like those are the only reasons why I really have TV other than Gaia TV. Um, okay. Yes. Final question. Sasha, what would you say personally is the number one thing so far that dogs have taught you personally? Wow. To be attuned with my energy, 
to, they're just constantly reminding me where I'm at. It's, they are the most exquisite mirrors. And it's because I'm listening, I'm always in the listening. So I'm able to look at the reflection that they show me, that they provide for me. And it's every day, it's just an unfolding of just learning from them. So that's, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind uh, in front of about a list of a million things. Um, right. But, but that's a big yeah. one. That's a big one. They, they are, um, they are so spiritual. Um, they're so yeah. sacred. And, and, uh, and un unconditionally well. loving and, and, you know, just so many things that I think people like you and I aspire to be ourselves. You know, I always say my, my little Charlotte, she's a five pound Yorkie and she's my furry Buddha. She's my teacher. And, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful for her. Cause like you said, I'm always saying she's the mirror, you know, and I'm, she really makes me cognizant and responsible for the energy I'm bringing to the space at any time, because I feel that responsibility of, I know she's feeling my energy. And that's why I asked you earlier, should I leave the house when I'm in a bad mood? Because I feel responsible. I don't want to project that on her. So um, yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you on that. That's beautiful. I love that you said listening. We, you know, listening is an underrated skill. <laughs> oh my gosh, it really is. Mm -hmm. it, it really, really is. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously do we, it well. We all need to, I would say, up level. <laughs> yep, up our game with listening. Yep, up the listening game, everyone. I know I, I've been working on it, but that's the, that's Aphrodite right there. That's the feminine. So, Sasha, mm -hmm. uh, you are just so inspiring, so, um, you just make me feel really hopeful and excited and empowered. And um, I'm just very grateful that there's people like you on the planet, because I feel like we have kindred missions to really, I, I like you, I actually wanted to be a, a veterinarian when I was a child, because I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I loved animals. And I still do to this day. I've talked to you about the fact I really want to manifest a, a a, a healing sanctuary basically for wildlife and have people go to, but it's basically for the wildlife because um, I just feel like we need to give voice to these beautiful senti sentient wise beings that aren't, I don't know if the word isn't respected or understood maybe. And um, mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful for the work you do. I'm so grateful you came on the show. I hope in my small way, I can help share your message and your wisdom, your love, your teachings. And I really am asking my audience to please share the show. Please sh share Sasha's work. If you care about animals, the planet, nature, creatures, this is how we do it, guys. We do it by sharing information, education, which is what Sasha is about, educating properly. So, you know, there's nothing worse than doing things, thinking you're doing the right thing, whether it be eating broccoli every day because right. someone said it's good for you, but it's giving you gas, you know, like, it's like, you know, we want to do, everyone is trying the best they can, but you're only as good as the quality and accuracy of your information. So we have to share good information like this. Yes. 
Thank you, Sasha. So how can people find you? Please tell us your website, social media, and once again, the coupon code with the course. Yes. So um, you can find me at C-A-N-I-N-E, stateofmind.com. Um, and then the same uh, as my Instagram handle, canine state of mind. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. Great. And the coupon code is FitAmyTV10. I check out for that course coming out uh, end of August, 2022. So, uh, and if you're listening to this after that, I'm sure Sasha's going to have more courses. Um, so just, you know, you get on her email list and get notified of things like that in the future. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for sharing the show. If you liked it, tag me, tag Sasha, so we can come on over to your channel and say hello and share you on our channels. Sasha Armstrong, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Thank you, Amy. Much love to you. Okay, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R nier.com you can also check out amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle again that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately connect with amy on the daily on instagram at fitamytv f-i-t-a-m-y-t-v and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also Fit Amy TV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.